0: Yeah, yay is I think kind of how uh, like a, like a, a subdued yay. That, that's how I describe the yeah. uh, the win over the Grizzlies. And that that's, was a that,
1: and that's, and that that's was a, a must win.
0: Yeah, and that's how we're gonna gonna start this uh, podcast series. A subdued yay from Tara for the uh, <laughs> win over the Grizzlies. And oh, are
1: you saying? Are we rolling? Oh yeah, we're rolling. Oh, well, hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the almighty baller radio network. You can find us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am joined, as usual, by blog boy, Blazer's outsider, <laughs> Danny Meringue.
0: I guess I am kind of falling in that category now, huh, Katie? You blog sn- boy? You snake. Blog, blog boy <laughs> slash TV boy.
1: Right, so for people who don't know what the blog boy reference is to, that is to the Bill Simmons Kevin Durant. It was it was a podcast, but it was about sort of three <sighs> hours Simmons of just retreated. kind meandering. Of oh. When KD blather. went on
0: that rant, you could hear Bill Simmons like kind of recoil into his chair, like "Oh God, what have I done?" But at the same time, his mind is like, "Content." Content, going. keep going, <laughs> don't stop. Yeah. But you could hear the uneasiness in the questions. He was just like, uh this is the, like, the
1: long and the short of it is that uh, Kevin Durant is not a big fan of people who he calls blog boys who he believes don't watch the games and they spend all their time <laughs> looking at analytics and not actually watching games. And throughout this, it was a two-part episode, and throughout the entire thing, he would not let it go. He had some very strong opinions. So I am proud to be talking to a blog boy tonight, Danny Maring, although I do know that you actually do watch the games. Cause here's the crazy is, thing. I mean,
0: we just watch the game. Is there a single analytics person out there? Like outside of maybe the folks who work at second spectrum, are the biggest data geeks on the face of planet on the face of the planet. And shout out to those data geeks because they're amazing at what they do. They make the stuff that I do look like kids play. Um, but I mean, they aren't the guys on Twitter. Like when you hear about these, the, the, the so-called blog boys, these guys are at most of the games. Like, I mean, the biggest analytics guys on Twitter um, Matt Moore, um, Andy Bailey, Ben Dowsett, um, Senthil, uh, uh, the guys at Nylon Calculus, Positive Residual. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seth Partno, who got a job with the Milwaukee Bucks because he was a blog boy.
1: Well, and they're, they're writing about the game because they love it and they're interested in it. I mean, a lot of people who start off blogging and like you you mentioned a lot of people who ended up making a living out of, you know, that started with them writing blog posts and learning about things and talking about them and describing them and getting good at it and getting recognized for that. You don't do that if you don't love the game. And not only that, they're like the (laughs) biggest consumers
0: of of games. Like, they watch more <laughs> games than anybody. They're, they're basketball fiends. They've got uh, League Pass with... I see... <laughs> shout out Adam Mars. Adam Mars has got a, a, a man cave, I think, like, four TVs on the wall with different games of League Pass going during the season. And, and Adam played wow. college ball, but he's still a quote-unquote blog boy as he's the, the lead editor at Denver Stiffs. But he's a heavy analytics guy. So, I mean, well, this, this I, idea I can... is crazy.
1: I couldn't decide if I was happy or annoyed not to be included. So I'm just going to let that one go cuz apparently it's blog boys. So I, oh I am off the hook. Oh my god, here we go. <laughs> do, do
0: you do you have a do you have a Lady Cave with four TVs cuz that would be awesome I too. I can. Uh,
1: <laughs> I well, let's see. A, a TV and a computer and a phone. That's Did, usually how I watch there you go, games. There you go. Yeah, I I <laughs> so I So I got 3. I, I am a dual TV. But Kevin Durant's laptop not mad guy. at me because he was very clear. It was blog boys. He yeah, never once go. was like or girls. There you go. You, get, so, the, you know, get the free pass this time. I get. I get the free pass on this. I'll. I'll take this one. <laughs> but anyway, damn, yeah, we have a lot of Blazer stuff to talk about. Speaking uh, of free passes, Sunday, Blazers, Sunday night. The Blazers gave the Grizzlies one. Uh, well, we learned that the Blazers made the playoffs for the fifth straight year now. Uh, this is the earliest that they've clinched the playoffs for a while. So I, that's kind of
0: exciting. I, I don't have any party poppers. I apologize.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? It was it was, it was kind of a, a workman-like game tonight. And they did what they needed to do. They didn't do it flashy. They didn't blow anybody's mind. It was a subdued game. Whoa, 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 Like hey, you
0: said. It was a subdued yet, yeah, But one guy was a little flashy tonight, all right?
1: Yeah. Caleb Swanigan was awesome. Yeah. My boy, Caleb did some things,
0: but you know, that's not who I'm (laughs) talking about. I know that's not what you're talking about. We got a Myers Leonard flex. We got a Myers Leonard flex and a stink face. That is a winning combination.
1: (laughs) So for you, it was not a subdued. Yay. You, we were jumping up and down on your couch. I bet like Tom Cruise style, weren't you? (laughs) Oh,
0: absolutely. It was, it was, it was some risky business stuff in here. I was sliding across the floor. Um, it was it was a workmanlike effort. Um, Myers was really the only guy off the bench who is even worth talking about tonight. Uh, Swanigan gets an honorable mention, but the rest of the guys, God, they were bad.
1: Right. Well, let's let's get to the let's recap the week so far and kind of build up to how we ended up where we are today because it's a it's a pretty interesting story because like the team at the beginning of the week is different than the team we've got at the end of the week because of some injuries. Ew. And so let's talk about how things changed a little bit. Uh, Tuesday the Blazers beat the Pelicans 107-103 in New Orleans Damian Lillard had 41 points. I always feel like the I feel like they're always losing to the Pelicans just because of that one game last year. And even though I know now the Blazers have beat them at least twice this season, I just, I'm still feeling that last game of the season last year. Now that the, one was painful. So. The Pelicans
0: are a scary Very team. Very happy to see them. Like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see Anthony Davis in a seven game series. I just no, don't because the, no. the Blazers don't have an answer for him. And the playoffs is about solving problems one, two, and three. That's what the playoffs are about. <laughs> taking away your three best Go to plays offensively and defensively, and how to exploit them. The Blazers don't have an an answer for Anthony Davis, and that scares
1: me. Is he just one of those problems, or is he one, two, and three? He's at least one and two. He's probably one and two. Yeah. Has Anthony Davis grown substantially since he entered the league? I feel like he's two or three inches taller, and it gets in addition to like twenty pounds, thirty he's, pounds. He's, heavier. he's he's
0: heavier. That's for sure. Because when he came in the league, he was Durant skinny. He was LaMarcus skinny. She- um, I, just, I, I was just looking at him going he's when on the floor that well that's the thing he's been on the floor I mean even he, he missed oh, a chunk earlier in the mean, season he Yeah, he has been injured yeah, he's, yeah. Been, he's been healthy down the closing stretch so you're seeing more of him so all of a sudden it's like yeah. man he really is big Anthony yeah. Davis when healthy is one of the three or four best players in the league I mean that's yeah. he's what he can do night in and night out and we saw it in the month of February and he continues to do it through March and into April now um, he's scary he, he yeah. is scary, and you throw in uh, Drew Holiday and the way he's been playing and mm-hmm. he, Miller out there canning threes. It's still a matchup the Blazers should win, but I think that it's one of those kind of series where if they got matched up, it would be – you're a couple rolls of the dice away from, from letting it slip away because of how good Anthony Davis is. Right it
1: it would it would be tough. Yeah, maybe next week we can talk more about the potential matchups as things become clearer. Yeah, you think um, they're going to be clear in a week? That's well, that's funny. A, I think they, I think by the time I think in a week they will be more clear. They're Spurs not at all right just now, but beat I think the Rockets,
0: week, Denver and Milwaukee had one of the craziest games of the season. Like it's going to be one of those things where like outside of the top three, it's probably I'm saying going to be a week from now. I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately saying I, I, I think it's going to come down to the last two games of the season for seeding. I think these guys, well, because everybody plays each other.
1: Yeah, that's true. It is. It is very exciting. Well, so after the new Orleans game, Damien flew home to be there for the birth of his son, Damien jr. Congratulations Shout out to the game. family,
0: the actual baby name.
1: Sweet baby dame. I mean, that's just, it just rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, it works. Uh, But in a a surprise announcement that night, Harkless turned out, Harkless flew back with him because he needed to undergo an arthroscopic procedure to clean up his knee. A loose body.
0: I always love the loose body. And also, (laughs) let me talk about this for a second. The Blazers ran the craziest government black ops mission on the planet to sneak Harkless home like nobody had heard anything about Harkless's knee other than it's bothering him a little bit yeah that's it not not, oh yeah no he snuck away for an MRI wait what
1: like that came out of nowhere do you think there was a reason, or do you think they were just like, nobody needs to know about this, get freaked out about it, let's just be quiet about it?
0: Uh, the Blazers have their reasons. They, they control the flow of information about their injuries probably tighter than almost any team in the league.
1: Because I thought it was weird, but I couldn't think of any good reason.
0: They, that's, just how they, that's just how they operate, but it
1: was really... You know me, I love a good conspiracy. Oh, no,
0: there are like, always conspiracies with the Blazers and the injuries. They, they, don't, they, they just don't release that information at all. But like they went deep into the playbook there to to sneak him out. And I, I found that a little bit weird. <laughs> I, I that that
1: made me worry almost a little bit more. Huh. We'll have to keep our eye on that because I, I all I thought was, Oh well that's convenient. <laughs> Arklus can fly back with Damien. Yeah. I don't think about almost whether like or they not, planned um,
0: it.
1: <laughs> it might be pointing to anything else. Right. Huh, interesting. Well, so anyway, without Harkless uh, and without Harkless or Damien, the Blazers dropped their last game of the road trip. It was a 108, 103. Um, Ugly, nasty, see. disgusting, just filth ridden game. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Although CJ did have 42 points, and, and Wayne Baldwin wait, saw the, the court. We, we got to go
0: back here on CJ. And this is not to take away from C.J. Shine because the Blazers wouldn't have even been in that game if not for C.J.'s 42 points. But what happened to C.J. McCollum at the free throw line in the clutch there?
1: Oh, um. something we
0: talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago. He dropped two again. And yeah, two. That's just that, I want to say C.J. Shined out. He did his thing. And, again, he w- they would not have been in the game if not for that massive performance from him. But that little bit kind of lurks in the back of my head because it's almost becoming a trend.
1: So the other teams are like, well, if you're going to foul somebody, if CJ's got the ball, go ahead and foul him. Like you do not want, like, like when you foul Damien because exactly. you know Damien's going to get him.
0: I-, I wonder at this mm-hmm. point in time if it's almost mental because we-, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Last year, CJ was 91% <laughs> from the free throw mm-hmm. line. He was—he had the highest free throw percentage in the league, and what he was able to do in the clutch—in the clutch time—was spectacular. And you just kind of come to expect that, but to see him drop those, it was just like, Like Mm. even if the Blazers still lost, seeing him step up and and hit those, I think would have eased some of
1: my uneasiness. (laughs) How how much do you think being tired? could have contributed to that. Oh, a ton. It was the three, they looked
0: tired. Oh, they, they were gassed in that game. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. But I, either
0: way, I didn't yeah, like I, it. I mean, that's what it comes down to.
1: <laughs> right. So that loss to the Grizzlies. Uh, we did see Wade Baldwin on the court. So that was kind of exciting to get a glimpse of him. Shout out he maybe had Brandon Roy. points in 20 minutes. He was five of six and one and one of one from three. So a nice shooting night. That was his career high. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see a ton of Wade Baldwin, but uh, he was he was in there and was able to get a few things done. Now Shabazz uh, doesn't the, get his the, stuff
0: together. You might. Seymour. Yeah, because Baz is struggling lately. Yeah. He had another rough one tonight. He's. From the highs that he had a, a month ago, man, this last couple of weeks have not been kind to Shabazz. I, I really hope he breaks out He's struggling out of on
1: offense. Do you see him struggling on defense as well? No, he's not
0: one of those guys where one side of the floor affects the other. He's always going to, well, to give it to you on – well, he's going to try to give it to you on both sides of the floor. I mean, tonight mm-hmm. there was a possession where he caught it on the wing and the Grizzlies just looked at him like, shoot it. They'd,
1: uh-huh. they'd they didn't even
0: run it. They gave him the full Evan Turner treatment. <laughs> like, yeah, uh-huh. hey, you ain't, you ain't hitting this. And he proceeded to miss and was like, Oh, that would have been a big shot for Baz's confidence. That would have been nice.
1: Yeah. I feel like over the week there has been some spotty shooting from the offense, but I haven't looked at, Oh no, it's a dumpster the statistics. fire. Okay. Well let's talk about that in a minute. Cause I do. I want to know what those are, but let's, let just finish with the, how the uh, week, went before tonight's game they got blazers got back on track against the clippers and the clippers have actually been playing pretty well lately they'd won four of their last five including a win over milwaukee and one over toronto it was uh blazers took that one 105 96 damien returned to the floor he flirted with a triple double he had 17 Still 11 and seven not, not like super close i just yeah it's just so strange like everybody else in the whole world's getting them but He's not, but he those doesn't eleven chase assists. Him.
0: He doesn't chase those
1: eleven assists are something I want to talk about next. Is because mm-hmm. the last couple of games there's been a lot of assists. Yep. So I don't know if that's just because like you know instead of giving out cigars he's just giving out assists to everybody, or if the Blazers are trying something new or what's going on with that. Um, but the big news from that game, <sighs> Ed Davis sprained his ankle. Gather yourself. And he's going to be out one to two weeks is I, what they say. I know. I know, I know the folks, are hard.
0: I know. I know, I know the folks in, in, in the what Facebook group were, were distraught and disheveled. It was, it was
1: a rough night for, uh, for all of us at Davis fans. And it was one of those things when it happened
0: live, I saw people, a few people were like, oh, it didn't look that bad. And they showed the replay and I'm like, he's out for a week. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't, unless you're Andre Miller, you don't roll your ankle at 90 degrees and just walk, walk it off the floor. I mean, you just, <laughs> you just don't. And I hope Ed gets healthy quick. Um, obviously, the timing of these injuries, probably the Blazers' two more, most important role players over the last few weeks have been Ed Davis and Maurice Harkless. Not exactly a great time yeah. to lose them. But, I mean, if you're going to lose them, lose them before the playoffs. So hopefully they're ready in time. But
1: Yeah, just hope that it's uh, going to be enough time.
0: Yeah, with Ed, I think we're, we're safe there. Harkless, I'm a little more concerned about. That kind of thing is one of those things where, yeah, he could be ready, you know, in two-ish weeks. But it can easily stretch to four very quickly with something like that. Because anytime you go in, inflammation's a problem, stiffness is a problem, range of motion, all that stuff. Uh, just, the, just the general comfort level. And then, of course, there's taking time off for basically being off of it and not really using it for a couple weeks. That That affects your conditioning. Those are all things that that you need to kind of keep in mind with those kind of injuries.
1: Right. Well, hopefully at least one of them will be back by the time the playoff starts. And the Blazers are going to be in the playoffs because I I guess they found out before the game that everybody else had – played their games (laughs) and the Blazers were going to make it to the playoffs. But yeah, we're definitely going to need those uh, one of those two back at least by the start of the playoffs. If they're going to be able to make it through that first round, I think, I don't think they can make it through the first round without both of them. What do you think?
0: Well, here's the thing. I think you're okay. As long as you've got one of them back because of consistency and that kind of thing. The dark horse candidate here is if the Spurs somehow get matched up with the Blazers. I don't think it's likely now with the way the Spurs have been playing lately and the way they're closing the season. But if Kawhi Leonard does come back, and I'm not assuming a healthy Kawhi. I'm assuming 70% of Kawhi Leonard. 70% Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs presents a big-time problem for the Blazers because they don't have an answer for him defensively without Harkless. You can try Uh to throw Aminu on him, you can try to throw Turner on him, but you're going to have Aminu probably on LaMarcus a lot more because I don't think you're going to have... You would have, Uh like, Nurkic on LaMarcus for long stretches. Pop would probably try to make it that way to try to take advantage of that matchup, pull Uh Nurkic away, but I think Harkless is the more versatile guy to be able to put in there for longer stretches on on a Uh guy like Kawhi. Really, any wing, which is why... I know this kind of contradicts what I was saying earlier, but the Pelicans, if you don't have Harkless, are probably the more favorable matchup because the lack of wing um, uh-huh. premier players with the Pelicans probably uh-huh. favors Portland in that instance.
1: Right. So also if they were to, I can't, I don't even remember where the standings are right now, but like if Portland was going to be a matchup against OKC, that's another one where they want, we would need yeah, to OKC's Harkless on Paul George. Yeah, huge one
0: because you want to have as many fresh bodies as you can making life miserable for not only Paul George, but there'd be stretches where you're going to put a guy like Harkless on, on Westbrook. Because you, you don't want Dame or CJ picking up Russell Westbrook all game. That's That, that kind of thing is exhausting. That dude wears on mm-hmm. you. He's, he's just going to mm-hmm. go downhill all night long. So uh, as up and down as Harkless's play has been throughout the season, before he went down, he was easily playing his best basketball, not only of the season, but in his time in Portland, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his contribution makes everything easier for everybody else because, he like we talked about earlier in the season, the things he wasn't doing – Getting out in transition, getting, generating easy buckets, generating steals, those hustle plays, the fact that he was doing those, you could see Portland went from dead last or second to last in fast break points in the league, to I think they went to twenty third or twenty fourth. They they more than doubled their production in those right. Areas, they they, they didn't climb off super
1: of... high in the standings, but they they did improve their individual output considerably. Yes, yeah.
0: When you're you're more than doubling your production, that's huge. By by the simple fact that you just decided to do something the right way, and that's mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of it it sucks to say it but he just wasn't doing it earlier and we saw some of the articles that came out from quick and freeman about how he was just kind of sulking and miserable and not into the games because he wasn't touching the ball enough and that's not really a selfish thing i don't want to get too much on the heartless rant here but we didn't really talk to touch on this last time um the idea that you have to touch the ball is is a very prevalent thing in the nba like there's very Mm -hmm. few guys in the league ed davis is one of them And this is is why I I never get mad when Ed decides he's going to take his one post up every four games. Right. Like for a dude that doesn't demand the ball, does all the dirty work, works his butt off. If he wants to take his post up and go to his left shoulder baby or his right shoulder baby (laughs) hook with his left hand, do the damn thing because he he works his butt off and he wants the, the same thing tonight. Caleb Swanigan got a possession where he got deep post position. And I think it was CJ had the ball and he's just like, you know what? He worked really deep for the post position. I'm going to go ahead and get him the ball. And Caleb went to work. He missed the shot, but you reward those guys for doing that work. And I think Harkless felt like he wasn't being rewarded, but in the same sense, I don't think that Harkless was necessarily doing the work necessary to be rewarded, i.e. running the floor and being that extra effort guy earlier in the season. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So with with Harkless out, You know, those are some of the it's kind of a, you know, who is it who who's going to replace him on the other team? Like who's going to replace his ability to guard multiple positions to uh, get, like you said, get in transition, who's going to replace his ability to do that? Uh, on the floor but with Ed Davis out one of the things that I'm concerned about is when Ed Davis is out as we know all year Ed Davis has been playing alongside Zach Collins mm-hmm. so that's been super essential to how things have been working lately Ed, Zach Collins has played 80% of his minutes alongside Ed Davis so with yeah, you, Ed if Davis you combine
0: all of the other minutes that Zach Collins has played with other other players it is in mm-hmm. the front court If you combine all of them, Mm -hmm. it's not even a quarter of what he's played with Ed Davis. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. That's nuts. The, the, yeah, the next closest is Zaminu and then Nurkic and then Myers Leonard. The, um, but so the question was, is Terry Stotts going to slot somebody else in there in that, that, you know, first center off the bench so that, Zach Collins can come in and be the four or is Zach Collins going to step into the four? What was Terry Stotts going to do? And we saw one possible solution tonight. We saw Terry Stotts send in Myers Leonard. When Nurkic got in early foul trouble, Leonard came in off the bench. And then shortly after that, Collins came in for his regular shift. So we had Collins and Myers playing together. So talk I know you mostly want to talk about Myers, but I'm going to let you talk <laughs> about Myers. But somewhere in there, promise me you'll talk about how you thought Myers and Collins went together and whether or not you would guess if in the future Terry Stotts is going to continue with that type of a rotation or if it's just going to be a game-by-game game situation. What are your thoughts on that whole area?
0: Yeah, no, honestly, the... I think it's a little bit of both as far as like the, what the end of your question was there. Both, I think this will be the way that Stotts goes, and I think it's a little bit of game by game. With the Grizzlies, you've got a more traditional center, Marcus Sol, Davis, De- uh, Deontay Davis, obviously, um, and Gerald uh, Martin. Um, guys that aren't really going to step away from the rim a whole lot. Um, and to be honest, people can laugh and giggle all they want. Myers Leonard's comfortable in there. If you want to play in the paint, he's he's got no problem playing in the paint. He, he that's kind of what he's capable of doing consistently. Um, so that made sense. I figured Stotz would go that way. Um, I I really like seeing the fact that that Stotts has gone to Swanigan. Um, Swanigan had a couple plays tonight where um, ball movement wise, facilitating from the elbow, from the high post above the break. Some unbelievably phenomenal pinpoint precision passes, um, that resulted in easy buckets Two stick out perfectly to me. One, the the backdoor cut where he hit CJ McCollum on the bounce pass in the other mm. when they were, they were fronting Nurkic on the post and he threw a, a pass over the top, probably the one of the best entry passes I've seen all season. Of course it came from a big man, um, to mm. Nurkic leading him to the rim for a wide open uncontested dunk. Um, I, I like those spot minutes from Swanigan because I think he gives you some of that playmaking um, that we've seen the Blazers do more of lately. And I, I've alluded to this on Twitter over the last couple of games, there was a stretch there where the Blazers kind of struggled to get their offense going. And I think they went away from some of the side pick and roll, mid pick and roll stuff, which is where Collins coincidentally enough feasted on uh, against the Clippers. I mean, he had, what was it 13 in the quarter in that game? Mm-hmm. Um, all of it all of it came off um, action on the backside of the play. It just dunk, dunk, Mm -hmm. dunk, 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 because he was able to create off of action. So many dunks lately. Well, that comes off the side pick and roll between Dame and Nurkic. I mean, that's, that's what dictates that night in and night out. And once that play gets rolling, the defense slides side to side to side. And if you're going to put Collins out there, Have him alongside Nurkic, have him alongside Leonard, have him alongside Swanigan. Because you know what all three of those guys do? They screen the living daylights out of people. (laughs) Those are your three best screeners, and it's not even close. I love Ed, and Ed does a great job. Ed is not as big and as, as wide as those guys. Those guys
1: just eat up space, and they love to set screens. They, they, so you like Swanigan's? – you've seen enough of Swannigan's screens to like those screens. Oh,
0: yeah. No, he's he, he's, a, he's the kind of guy – and Ed Davis, I think, is in this mold. I just don't think he has necessarily the same uh, girth <laughs> and mm-hmm. weight to really throw into guys. And I think he looks more on – he kind of holds the screen a little bit and delays his role to pick up offensive rebounds, which is something he's innately good at. Yeah. Um, right. it is, it's a little bit different look. Um, when Nurkic does it, he's rolling to the rim with authority. When Myers does it, we saw it tonight. He rolls to the rim hard, which is a new development this season. Cause you know, last year he just kind of floated about the three point line. But that's mm-hmm. another thing is that if you have a guy like Leonard on the floor with Collins, even if you don't consider Myers Leonard a shooter, even if you have negative things to say about him, NBA players are still looking at him and going, eh, I know he can shoot. I probably need to stay a little bit higher on the screen. Now you've got Leonard pulling one side, you've got Collins pulling the other, and that middle of that floor gets wide open for a guy like Damian Lillard or CJ McCullough Tonight against the Grizzlies, that came to the tune of 11 free throws for Damian Lillard. That's not a coincidence. When you spread the floor that much and you let that penetration go out, <coughs> excuse me, um, a guy like Damian Lillard's going to get to the rim one-on-one and draw contact and free throws.
1: So do you think that Collins, do you think... Collins has reached a point where he can figure it out enough to pair up with whichever big man. That like, because I, I was kind of figuring, you know, at some point he's going to have to fly on his own anyway. He wasn't going to be able to come in with Ed Davis for the you know rest of his NBA career. Yeah. Probably, I thought it, by the end of this season, you know, he would have to start doing it sometime. Do you? Did did he show enough sign, you know, for a rookie? uh, that you think he'll be able to outlast this, you know, without? Yeah, Ed? no, yeah. No, I I totally get where you're coming from here. And here's the thing,
0: and this is not a shot at Collins. The Blazers aren't asking him to do a whole lot. The Blazers mm-hmm. really don't ask
1: their power forwards to do. Well, a whole that's lot. why Stotts is so good at developing players. Yeah. Is because he's just putting him in a position to in succeed. And they play within their with you know play within the system and play within themselves then they can really grow and develop it's when they try to do everything all at once and maybe that's kind of what swanigan is i think swanigan sometimes maybe tries to play a little bit outside of himself because he's super enthusiastic
0: (laughs) yeah he always wants to go after but but collins i think is at the point where his lone job on defense is to be a help defender and a weak side shot blocker that that's his job that that, recover nice at that yeah, he's he's long enough and quick enough to re- to recover out to the three point line and challenge some shots. I can't remember who it was against the Clippers. Was it? I think it was Lou. Yeah, it was Lou. Lou Williams went up for a three and didn't realize that a seven footer was closing in on him. And he, <laughs> Collins just sent it out. And It was like, hmm, mm-hmm. nice close up. I mean, that, that's that's the kind of thing you expect from him. on offense. The and we, I, I know this irritates you when I say this, but but posting up Zach Collins is a bad idea. Hitting Zach Collins on the run on a backdoor cut wide open for a dunk. Good idea. Throwing lobs mm-hmm. to Zach Collins on a backdoor cut. Good idea. Uh, drop-off passes to Zach Collins when nobody's on him. Good idea. Kick out threes on the wing, not in the corner. <laughs> Good idea. For whatever reasons, Collins has not figured out that corner three yet. Every time he takes one, I'm like, oh God, stop doing that. Hopefully that's something he works on in the summertime because I think he can be a consistent enough threat out there to draw defenses. Well, he's better than what we see from guys like Turner and Harkless earlier in the season, certainly. But, uh, I mean, you simplify that game for him and and that's, again, Mm -hmm. that's not a shot at him. That's just, that's how you deal with rookies.
1: Well, right. And what what we've seen is, the game has been simplified him by his presence alongside with Ed Davis. And now he mm-hmm. doesn't had have Ed Davis. And it seems like he's ready to take that next step to still continue to play within himself, but now to do it with other players. If
0: you want to look for something like to evolve in Zach Collins, so like an extra contribution area that really just comes from understanding and effort without Ed Davis, the Blazers and they showed it tonight are going to struggle with offensive rebounds. Oh, right. Myers Leonard is not a guy who rebounds in a traditional sense. He rebounds like Robin Lopez. And by that, I mean it's team rebounds. He boxes everybody else he, he, out yeah, so
1: that other he, people can get him.
0: He boxes out two guys at a time at times.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, he just,
0: <laughs> he just eats up space. And guards and wings, guys like Aminu and Harkless feast on those rebounds. Um, if Collins is going to be that guy um, out there, I don't think it'll necessarily work too much with the way the Blazers play defense because Collins is going to be a little bit more on the perimeter regularly. But if they're looking for offensive rebounds, if he's out there with with Myers, um, I would think that they might look to send him to the glass a few times. But he's also the guy that um, is going to be their transition shot blocker. So he's, he's the guy who's just going to be a little out a little bit higher, and he's going to be the earlier guy back. Myers runs the floor well. Caleb Swanigan runs mm-hmm. the floor well. Um, but they're not as long and rangy and cover as much ground as quickly as somebody like Collins can, who's already going to be out further on offense anyways in transition. So um, I don't know if so it'll necessarily short... work out, but it, it, it's something that something to keep an eye on. If the Blazers do change anything, if they do want to generate those, those extra chances, Collins, I think, is the guy to look at in those opportunities.
1: Okay, so you, the short answer is that you think Zach Collins has the opportunity to pick up some of those offensive rebounds yes. that Ed was getting?
0: There's a lot of caveats to that because of the situation sure. and where he's at. Um, but like, if, if you wanted to say like the, the extra possession plays, that's that's kind of where he could slot in as far as you've, seeing a little bit of growth that would manifest mm-hmm. itself in, in box score counting stats.
1: Mm-hmm. Is, do you want to add anything else about what you saw out of Myers tonight? Because it it was nice to see him. I, I really thought that he this just played was well. the Opportunity for him to uh, yeah to come in and, and play well, and he did. He had some dunks. He had some shots. He he had a drive
0: was... and kick that resulted in an extra pass, a hockey assist for three in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Myers Myers played well tonight. I, I think there was maybe one time where I was like, "Wow, well, ah, come on." And I think mm-hmm. he got he got mixed up or mixed up on a coverage, but I also saw him bark at, I think it was Evan Turner. I can't remember. I got to go back and look look, look at my notes. Um, but for Turner taking the the wrong coverage defensively and jumping above the screen when um, the screen never came. And I we talked or at least I talked about this on Twitter. Um, maybe some other folks noticed this tonight, but it it sounded like the mics were turned up a little higher than they typically are on the court. Because I heard Uh conversation on the floor all night long, and it was – I love that. And it's one of the things I love about sitting close to the floor sometimes is that um, you get to hear the communication um, and what's going on back and forth between these guys. Myers, for all of his questions or faults or however people want to talk about it, Myers talks on the floor probably more than anybody. He directs and dictates – so many things. It's the one thing I, I would like to see more of from Nurkic.
1: Right. You know, one thing about having a couple of players out and this is maybe me being a little Pollyanna ish, or maybe a little bit of a silver lining thing. No, but you? when I know you're shocked, right? But when, when there's disruption in the regular routine, I think everybody has to pay a little bit closer attention to what's going on and they have to talk more and they have to be a little bit more on top of things because things are shaken up. And I think that can end up being a good thing because ultimately they could have just, you know, coasted through or they, I think they could have run the risk of coasting through finishing things out, but instead they have to kind of double down their focus because they have had some changes to the lineup thrown at them. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed, actually, the last couple of games, you know how much I love pointing. Hadn't been seeing a lot of pointing this year, and I feel like it's because they are... You know, in better. they you know they get each other more. They trust each other more. They understand the plays better. And so the pointing just kind of falls off a little bit. But I have noticed in the last few weeks that there, or at least the last few games, there's been more of that and there I saw more of it last night and or you know two two nights ago and more of it tonight. i I, I kind of think that sometimes forcing that communication could ultimately be a good thing. You know, even though not having Mo and Ed is a bummer, you know, it makes everybody concentrate that much harder, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it's a reminder, I think. It wouldn't surprise me if that was something the coaching staff put an emphasis on. Um, if you're going to fine tune things for the playoffs, that's how you do them. When you're, mm-hmm. when you, because your practices are limited. Um, when you do get in practices, you're reviewing game tape, you're going over subtle changes to the game plan, um, you're doing some scouting, obviously, but the things you work on, they aren't grand scheme things. They're reminders. They're like, Hey, we're game 76, 77 now, 78. What is it? 77. Um, Mm -hmm. let's, let's go ahead and hone in on this. Let's lock in on this. Let's focus on this. Those are the things that you, you want to kind of lock in, uh, on the closing stretch. That way you're not looking to address them in the playoffs.
1: Do you think, do you think that has a, why do you think they've been getting more assists the last few weeks?
0: Um in, in a nutshell, the side pick and yeah. roll. I think that's the biggest benefactor or the biggest contributor to this. So do you
1: you think they've been focusing in that particular play, and that particular play generates a lot of it's where all over the place. It's
0: where all the gravity is. Anytime you have Dame mm-hmm. on one side of the floor, CG on the other, and Nurkic rolling down the middle, it results in good things. Now Nurkic had a couple bad catches on a, and a couple bad passes that were thrown him, not just tonight, but over the last couple games. The Memphis game in particular where they dropped the game, C.J. had Nurkic on the roll, and he threw him a couple fastballs like at his hips and at his knees, and I was like, yes, it's easy for people who are watching to say he's an NBA player, he should grab that ball. That's not how seven-footers work, folks. (laughs) You put the ball at their chest. That's where you put the ball. You don't put the ball down low and make a big man bend over to get the pass. Uh, that that's my only criticism of that over the last couple of games, last couple of weeks. But as far as the offense itself and generating more opportunities for everybody, um, they're still getting good looks. The big one here, obviously, is the three-point percentage is dropping, and yet the assists are still flowing. Why? Because the ball's moving inside-out, side-to-side. And okay. that is all based on the gravity, basically, of Dame, CJ, and Nurkic. Uh, they... I mean, if you look at what their assist numbers could be if they were hitting their threes, good God. We, we talked about this earlier, and you said you want to kind of come back to it, so I'm going I'm to touch on it now. Yeah. Over the last seven games, the Blazers have the second worst three-point shooting percentage in the entire league. 29.3%. Yeah, that's awful. That's brutal. Well, and
1: what's the number of shots? Uh, where are they in terms of shots that they've gotten off? Because it seems like they're getting plenty. They're getting 32 threes a game. And where is that in the hierarchy? Oh, as far as where it sits in the league, yeah, uh, that's that's, that's ninth. Okay, so So, they're getting plenty. (laughs) Taking the continuing to get they're just not hitting him. So why aren't they hitting him?
0: I I don't know. If I knew that one, I they would pay me a lot of money to fix those things. I wish I knew, because they're getting looks. Bad luck, tired shooters just happen to be uh, regression to the mean. Evan Turner had been hot there mm -hmm. for a while, and Evan Turner over last. Mm, two weeks has front-rimmed quite a few threes. Uh, Collins has cooled down quite a bit. Connaughton has just struggled. Yeah, Connaughton has... Connaughton and
1: Napier have been struggling a lot. Connaughton has Luke Babbitt disease.
0: Oh Yeah, but Dame and CJ find other ways to score, especially Dame getting to the Mm. free-throw line. Connaughton, Mm. he has Luke Babbitt disease. Every shot he takes looks good. It feels Uh good. And then it hits the back of the rim. And it's like, for the love of God, Pat, please make that. And he's
1: just taking back up two inches.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, it's a mental thing or what, because it, like I said, it looks good. And he's taking the right shots. There's been maybe of his past 20 threes, maybe two of them were questionable threes. Mm-hmm. Like he's stepping in in rhythm, on a good catch, with the defender far enough away to where it shouldn't bother his shot, and he's missing it. He's taking all the shots that Alan Crabb wouldn't take last year.
1: Right. He's not hesitating. No. You know, how that's my refrain. At least he's not hesitating.
0: <laughs> I will never get mad at a missed shot that was the right shot. As long mm-hmm. as you, I, I'm a big proponent of if you keep taking the right shots they will pay off in the long run. Mm -hmm. Now there gets to a point where somebody taking that shot is no longer the right shot. Like career 30% three point shooters continuing to jack up threes for no reason. It's Mm -hmm. like, uh, Rondo for years was a terrible three point shooter. And yet he continued to take them. Westbrook is a terrible three point shooter yet. He continues to jack them up. And it's like, that's just, that's not a good shot. Like defenses are fine with you, jacking up threes when you're a 32% three point shooter, especially if you're a volume shooter. It's like that's just a dumb idea. Um, Dame, I think, is when people question that, like oh, he's not a high percentage shooter. Dame is taking the degree of difficulty shots on Dame's threes are probably the highest in the league. I mean, the stuff you that he so. yeah, I mean, the stuff that he does, step back, fade away, contested. And he's still shooting a respectable percentage while taking 10 threes a game. I mean, that's, that's difficult to do. If Dame was taking nothing but Kyle Corver, J.J. Redick, spot up, catch and shoot threes. Right, I, okay. I have a pretty, I see what you're saying. pretty solid idea that Dame would be a high percentage three-point shooter.
1: Right, if he was taking all the threes that Pat Connaughton is taking.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like these guys that mm-hmm. come off screens that are catch and shoot shooters, Chris Middleton's of the world. Um, I have. A, I'm pretty certain Dame would be an above forty percent three point shooter, but that's not what his role is. His role mm-hmm. is to take difficult shots to bend the defense. I mean, that, that's what mm-hmm. it's supposed to do. Um, but yeah, the, this the the missing of threes is really bothering me because they they need to figure this out. That if that yeah. if they good well. luck winning playoff series shooting like that. <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully it all comes together all at once in the month of April for everybody who's been struggling. But considering that the Blazers now are going to the playoffs, my question is, what are you most concerned about in terms of things that the Blazers can control? So, like, what's on the scouting reports of the other teams right now who are looking, going, okay, we might be having to take on Portland. I need to start compiling information. Um, What are they gathering? Excuse me. The
0: if I'm any team playing Portland, the game plan that I am taking is the one that Houston employed. And now that's easy to say because they have Chris Paul and James Harden. But I'm talking about defensively. Make the role players beat you. And that that sounds simple, but you blitz everything Damon CJ does. The counter to this, and this is why I think Portland has been going to this so much, is that side pick and roll. You can force the ball to one side of the floor, but if you start forcing the Blazers to the sideline over and over, to the baseline over and over again, they're going to have a counter waiting for us on a skip pass. They're going to have Nurkic rolling down the middle wide open. There's somebody's going to be really, really, really open if you do that all game long and you have to have the personnel necessary to stop that. And a lot of teams are in the league do have that personnel. And that's kind of where Portland is, is kind of shorthanded. And that's at those long rangy wing positions. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If you look at what Houston has, they've got Mbamute, they've got PJ Tucker, they've got Ariza, they've got guys and Capella plays the passing lanes better than almost any center in the league. Um,
1: so you think it's Blitz Damon CJ, but uh, but give more room to Nurkic Emino, to everyone not named Turner Harkless. Yeah. yeah. So by Blitzing, do you mean put like put? Put two men on them at all times. I you're, mean, like you're put pushing three people on there too.
0: Yeah, you basically, you basically what you're doing is you're playing three on two. You're playing above the screen. You're going, uh, you're going above and pushing to one side of the floor or the other, not letting them get to the middle. You're hedging hard on on the inside, the inside defender uh, on any pick and rolls. And I would like to see the Blazers start working on some counters to that, which they're not going to show a ton of because they don't want that stuff on tape.
1: Not um, right now. No. Right? Is that what you mean?
0: Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm almost certain that in practices, those are things that
1: they're working on. But if, So do Damon and CJ stay close together so they pull everybody over to one side so that everybody has more room? No, you, or you, do they one, side one of them have to keep running?
0: Yeah, you've got it. Well, keep running, but on the other side of the play. And that's why you see that weave play that Portland does so much above the mm-hmm. three-point line. Um, right, I love that the dribble handoff. Cj runs around. Yep, yeah. you, you the dribble handoff. You get the weave action. That's so the defense can't play above that because if you cheat above that, one of those guards immediately darts to the rim, and mm-hmm. now your defense, your defense through. has to collapse, and the other guys still above the three point line. Now you're now you're in a pickle. Now you've got either Dame or Cj going, or one of the wings cutting from the corner inside on the backside of the play for an uncontested dunk. Or you've got one of the guards above the three-point line wide open. And those, those are the kind of counters I like to see. Um, but again, this all comes off the side pick and roll. That, that's, I think that's where Portland is, is, is the most deadly. When you get Damon C.J. particularly working, um, this is a little highlight to something that I'm going to pop off on, on TV tomorrow, um, when you talk about screen assists, Nurkic is one of the top players in the league when it comes to screen assists. The only guys who have more are guys like Jokic, guys like Andre Drummond, Steven Adams, Rudy Gobert.
1: So a technical or not a non-technical explanation of a screen assist is that when someone sets a screen in order to free up somebody so that they can take a shot and make it. Is that what a screen
0: assist is? They get a resulting basket off of the screen.
1: So it's not a pass, it's a nope. positioning yourself to free somebody up so they can take that shot. To
0: get free, to get to the rim, and I don't think it calculates it. I have to double-check on it before I fully pull everything for tomorrow, but I don't think it also factors in free throws, so uh, generating a free throw. Mm-hmm. Now, NBA teams have that stuff at, at another level um, because that's important data to have, but mm-hmm. like I said, Nurkic is huge in that factor. And that's been the reason he's huge is because, again, something we talked about earlier, he's a great screen setter. He's so mm-hmm. big and just wide <laughs> that it's very difficult to get around him. Um, and the Blazers rely on that. And it's evident in and how this these numbers bear out.
1: So everybody always loves to complain about how the other teams always are setting moving screens. Now, be honest with me. How are the Blazers in terms of... There, whether or not they're setting moving screens.
0: Nurkic is easily the biggest offender of moving screens. Even, he's not that bad. Uh, he always
1: seems like he, he moves because he's halfway on his way to run the other way. And that's actually part I mean, of I guess it. That's,
0: that's, 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 it's, it's a little trick. You, you set the solid screen, and then you, you move your way towards the rim. As, as kind of a natural motion to, to block out the defender. Um, But Mm -hmm. there are better ways to do it and not get caught. Um, Nobody on the Blazers really has the Kevin Garnett, Andrew Bogut level of illegal screens. Um, I would say that the one that comes the closest is not Nurkic, but Ed Davis. Ed will Mm -hmm. grab and reach into your soul and hold you (laughs) from time to (laughs) time. Uh, But he gets caught for it. There's two things that Ed Davis gets called for in fouls. Terrible, terrible. Oh, my God. You... Could you had to be blind to miss those moving screens and over the back fouls? Mm-hmm. Those are the two things Ed gets called for, and his over the back fouls are not really over the back as much as let me put my hand in the middle of your spine and push you forward four feet. <laughs> those <laughs> get are the, you out of there. Yeah, those are the two. <laughs> those are the two levels of Ed Davis fouls. Um, otherwise, Ed's pretty clean on those. Collins, uh, this this is a shot. Collins doesn't set screens. <laughs> he sets glancing blows. Um, well,
1: he's only like the size of a two by four <laughs> yeah, <he's>, right
0: now. <laughs> they, like, I mean, if, if the Blazers are going to send anybody to uh, overseas for some for some HGH treatments, So we were, we were joking about this the other day. He, he's he's the most likely candidate. If, if he came back looking like like sliced alone after a trip to Germany, I wouldn't be disappointed. Um, his, so, but in terms, so
1: in ter- okay, so he's not big enough. No, to he's, he's he's just not big enough. set substantial screens right now. No. Although, who did he knock just the heck drop straight down on the floor earlier? There was somebody who ran into him like a, he'd run into a brick wall, and everybody was shocked, including Zach Collins. I I <laughs> missed said, that one. I don't
0: I don't remember. Oh that one. my gosh! I'm, I must have walked I away. I can't
1: remember. I have... about halfway through the season. It was one of those ones oh, okay, where you were probably early, crying earlier, the whole earlier,
0: game earlier in the year. Okay, gotcha. I thought you yeah. talking about oh, yeah. the last couple games. I was like,
1: I have no idea when this happened. Um, no, I I feel like it was maybe against the Clippers or or somebody. But anyway, but let's, how let's about it in terms of timing and pre- like like where he is setting his screens? Uh, it's
0: a it's it's a weak proponent of his game right now. It mm-hmm. I just I don't count on it. A lot of his stuff that sees as far as his screen setting is above the three point line in those triple handoff scenarios and, the, and those weave yeah. scenarios where it's not necessarily about how hard or efficient you set the screen as much as it is about making the
1: defender work to get over consistently. Right. So his aren't more likely to turn into an assist. They're more likely to just help the movement of the ball.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's, he's facilitating the, the, the creation of space by a little blow here, a little, little pop of the shoulder here. But yeah, Zach's Zach's not freeing anybody up with any, you know, bone setting screens. And and again, Mm -hmm. that's just, he's just not big enough. He's he's got to put on probably twenty five thirty thirty forty pounds
1: <laughs> before yeah.
0: that before that really even becomes a, a reality.
1: So we don't usually talk a lot about upcoming games, but there's some important ones on the docket this week. Every the one Voices, of these think, save from Dallas. here on out. Well, yeah, I mean, well, and even then, you know, nothing is given, but. Again, I think playing against Dallas under uh, you know, with undermanned is going to be a good thing because they're going to have to concentrate a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But after Dallas on Tuesday, they play the Rockets and then the Spurs. So <sighs> what do you think is going to be the key for the Blazers besides the miraculous, the return of Ed Davis and or Mark- Mo Harcliss?
0: Take care of business in Dallas. Don't do anything stupid. Um... Rockets might be resting Here's players a, by then. Here's the thing about the Rockets. I hope the Rockets are playing at full strength. I, I really want the Blazers to get an opportunity to get a win against these guys, because right. in, in all likelihood, well,
1: <coughs> they won't mind. be though. Golden, I mean, they're, Golden they're State's going to be the two up.
0: seed. Yeah, Golden State's going to be the two seed. So Portland's not going to see him in the second yeah. round. But I, I, I think getting a win against those guys if they were fully healthy would be a we'll nice just be little a good enough confidence. Yeah, it's a little a yeah. little bit of a booster. Um, the Spurs game I think is huge. Again, it's a confidence thing. Anytime you beat San Antonio in San Antonio, that's you know that's a little notch on the belt. Um, mm-hmm. The man, I remember when this Texas Triangle think? trip was just hell. Thankfully, Dallas sucks mm-hmm. this year because ending your season. With well, four out of five on the road. Don't speak
1: too soon, Dan. Uh, don't hey, don't least, act like it's a given. There's it's nothing given here. It's not a
0: given, because God, Lord knows we know that with Portland. But this this trip used to be just right. hell on earth. And their, their end of this trip is at Denver, where in the past it's either New Orleans or Memphis, who, you know, Memphis in the last couple of years has been a nightmare. So you had, you know, four and five or four and six – and they were all playoff teams, and you got done with that that road trip, and it was just like, okay, can can we have like three days off, please? Mm-hmm. So thankfully, that yeah, won't it, be an issue.
1: Denver's almost kind of back into they're they're almost they're in ninth again, right? They're showing signs of life. God, I don't even know now. It's just I don't even know what Denver's doing. Yeah, Denver is in the ninth place. They're showing signs of life. And I'm like, what are you guys? What are they even doing? I don't understand what's happening in Denver. It'll be interesting. So they could be fighting for everything. We we the Blazers could hit Denver when Denver is trying desperately to make it into the playoffs. And after we knocked him out of the playoffs, what didn't we knock him out of the playoffs last year? Yeah, Nurkic is the famous. The Blazers knock him out. I think yeah. officially
0: they, they didn't, but for all <laughs> intents and purposes they did. I mean the difference I like between to think that he's matured enough. No, no, no. I I like that Nurkic. Tell them to have uh, a, have a good summer again. But I mean, no, it's been six and nine right that. now is two games, dos. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be a fun so, yeah. stretch run.
1: So the the long and the short of it is that the Blazers will probably be playing against a Denver who's very determined. Good to God! Win. If the playoffs start, and then today, they come Portland's, back and finish with the against the Jazz. Yeah, Portland's looking at it right now. Oh God, no, no, not a first round series with the Jazz. Ugh. Right, that's that's what it looks like to, if the playoffs started today. Good, we God. would be so tired of the Jazz. You would even be tired of the Jazz. No, even
0: I don't want. to see my adult son. Mitchell.
1: No. Yeah, you'll get tired of even you'll get tired of him. But so, so how many do you think that how the the are the Blazers gonna win fifty games? The Blazers are gonna win fifty games. Uh, the Celtics. Did I just Celtics- like, mess it up? No, I was on that boat
0: two weeks ago. The Celtics lost and the Grizzlies lost. Those two were...
1: Yeah. I mean, they only have to win
0: two more. Okay, so we're given Dallas. Houston, if they're resting, is probably a win. Uh, San Antonio, the way they're playing right now and positioning... (sighs) Oh, <sighs> that's a loss. Denver for their lives. Oh, we gotta win that.
1: The Blazers are gonna win that one.
0: Just on spite, I'm gonna say Portland wins that and gets the fifty. Then that last game yeah. against the Jazz. You've got the three seeds sewn up. Everyone rests. You've got fifty. Who cares?
1: <laughs> and we're gonna see they'll see the Jazz again in three or four more days anyway. So <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll in the be first interesting. round of the clips. Yeah. Well I I really did I was a bad fan and did not believe at all that the Blazers were going to you know, even be knocking on the door at fifty. I think I said forty five. I thought if they came out and played better than they did the f- you know, got a better record than they did the first year that they were together. So that, you know, the year they had 44 wins. I was like, okay, if they can actually put together that like on purpose, not just because nobody knew what was coming in (laughs) as opposed to stumbling into it. Right. Well, I mean, because you know, that, that, that's what happens sometimes. Like, you know, when you're, when you're brand new and you form together and people really aren't expecting you to come in and you have good chemistry and it happens to be good, you know, you overperform, right. And then, you know, they got 41. So I thought, okay, if they could on purpose put together 45 wins, the, that would be pretty good. So they've already surpassed that 49, 50. I don't know. I'll be pretty – I'm pretty happy with that. i still – how important is it to you that they win a round in the playoffs? Oh, it's – Is it like a disaster if they don't
0: – Yeah, in, in my mind No matter it's, who they play? Yeah, with the, with the way no they're matter playing – they play. With the way they've played – for the last couple of months, and the way the West is with all the injuries, it, there, there's not a matchup where Portland shouldn't be favored. Yeah, there's what some dark horse. Have... If they even if they don't have Harkless, you still have Dame C.J. Okay. And Nurkic. Um, nice. The only one here that I would call a dark horse would be if the Spurs got back Kawhi, but I just don't see that matchup happening. Um, Utah should not. The, the Utah will get some games. I think that would be a series uh-huh. that would go 4-2 just because Utah's a, just a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> Minnesota, there's rumors of Jimmy Butler coming back. That scares me. If uh-huh. Butler comes back and Portland doesn't have Harkless, that's, that's tough because there's no other blazer that matches up
1: with, with Jimmy Butler well enough to, to be a problem. But my question is, if if Minnesota has Jimmy Butler, if San Antonio has Kawhi, and the Blazers don't win those, is that a failure to you? Yeah. Is that a disaster? Yeah. That's, that's... Even when those teams are full strength? Yeah. I guess I have to wait and see how they play. Because I, am, I, I really, really want them to win a series, but I am willing to, if they... You know, if if there's some circumstances that happen that you want to have
0: that silver lining there. I know
1: I'm going to. Yeah, whatever. There may be one. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I get it. Like they've been playing well enough that you have to deliver on expectations.
0: You have to deliver on expectations. That's how you grow in this league.
1: So, but you have to, do you have to deliver on the expectations that you have going into it or like from the expectations from the beginning of the season? No, I, think I th- guess you were your expectation at the beginning of the season that they would win a series at first, the first round. I
0: thought that they would get matched up as a five or six seed and have a legitimate chance in the first round.
1: Uh-huh okay so you actually had them at a higher seed than i did which is kind of funny yeah but, but you we, know when me, we started I like the season to, I,
0: I said 46 and a half wins <laughs> that was the number that i kept landing on
1: i like to hedge my bets so that i can be pleasantly surprised yeah no not so. me
0: i like to be disappointed what can i say
1: <laughs> well i think that pretty much covers all the questions that i had for you this week we should probably wrap it up here and um Wait until see what happens next week. See how the Texas Triangle road trip goes. You know, not only anything is that,
0: else that you want to talk about. I the that Texas Triangle road trip is uh, is a is a great food triangle too. Mm-hmm. Love it. I highly Yeah, if you're going to ever go on a Blazers road trip, that's 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 a good road trip because the food is great in New yeah. York City.
1: That would be fun. Well, the next time we talk, uh, next Sunday, I'm going to be in Memphis. So I'm going to be eating some, or not Memphis, Nashville. So I'm going to be eating some good food next Sunday. Make make a trip to
0: Memphis. Go, go see the good folks in Memphis.
1: I would like to, I just am not going to have time. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, got anything (coughs) else you want to bring up? Got to put your prayers out. I'm sure that you've got got some kind of
0: what? Um, there are some things working. There, there are some things working. Um, possibly maybe you, you could see me making some more radio appearances here um, as the playoffs approach I'll have some more on that here in the next couple weeks but that, yeah. that's a little, little tidbit uh, Blazers Outsiders will be there all throughout the playoffs Um, we are wrapping up the blazers outsiders contest tomorrow when this podcast drops Monday night. So be sure to tune in. We'll have the two final contestants for our guest host spot. Um, I wish I knew who they were, but you know, they don't tell me anything. I just show up (laughs) and do TV things. (laughs) There's a little peek behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, we're just kind of grinding along, having some fun. So, uh, please hop in Uh, we're on Facebook Live we are live on Rip City Radio 620 obviously on NBC Sports Northwest channel 737 uh, if you have if you are a Comcast subscriber but if you're not Facebook Live NBC Sports or NBCS Northwest Facebook.com backslash NBCS Northwest at 7pm on non-game nights so we'll be there tomorrow night for a special appearance because Trailblazers courtside is going to move to Wednesday just this week Oh so. really? Okay. Yep. So I'll be there tomorrow night um, to uh, give you a bright, shining, awful face to look at for half hour. So enjoy.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter, and I write for Blazers Edge. I had one today actually about who was going to take the place of uh, of Ed Davis while for as a mentor to Collins, and if that was actually going to happen. So I'll be continuing to write for Blazers Edge. And again, find me on Twitter. You can also send us an email at BlazersEdgePod at, sorry, it's not at, it's BlazersEdgePod at gmail.com. And emails are really hard to give out. So please write us your emails or tweet us. we love to hear from you. We got a lovely letter tonight from a man and his daughter who listened to our podcast. Shout out, Olivia. Thanks for listening. And Dan, I guess I'll talk to you next week.
0: That sounds good.
1: Awesome.